verse 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. stars they wept the morning sun was dead the savior of the world was fallen his body on the cross his blood poured out for us the weight of every curse upon him
Um, we've come to the time in the service um, for communion. And um, during communion, we always um, reflect on the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. Um, and today, we have this whole day to think about his sacrifice um, and the promise of the resurrection that was fulfilled in the empty tomb today. Um, I've been reading this book um, by C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And um, in this book, the lion, Aslan, is portrayed as Jesus. And as I was reading it, something stood out to me that hasn't really stood out as much before. Um, and I'm going to read to you um, this part. Bind him, I say, repeated the white witch. The hags made a dart at him and shrieked with triumph when they found that he made no resistance at all. Then others, evil dwarves and apes, rushed in to help them. And between them, they rolled the huge lion over on his back and tied all his four paws together, shouting and cheering as if they had done something brave. Though had the lion chosen, one of his paws could have been the death of them all. But he made no noise. Even when the enemies strained, straining and tugging, pulled the cords so tight that they cut into his flesh. Then they began to drag him toward the stone table. Now, as I was reading this, I noticed how extremely humiliating Jesus' death would have been for him. Having to watch his mother watch as she knew that he could have wiped out everyone there doing all of these things to him, torturing him, all these wrongful people. And she knew that he could have stopped them and he chose not to. He didn't say a word. In the book, they say that Aslan could have chosen to destroy everyone with one paw. And Jesus could have done that with one of his hands. Jesus endured humanity to its fullest. He endured treachery, hunger, thirst, humiliation, and everything you can think of and more for us. And today we celebrate the fulfillment of that, of the empty tomb and the love he has for us to endure so much and the joy that we have because of it. Let's pray. Abba Father, we come to you in such great thankfulness for what your son endured for us, for what you allowed to happen so that all of us mere humans can have hope for the future, no matter our circumstances. Amen.
come to the point in our service where we want to pause and take an opportunity to give back to God some of what he's given to us. We know that this is a a difficult time for some of you, and we appreciate that. We're told in the Bible that God loves a cheerful giver, and in times like this, that can be a difficult proposition. But I want you to know that God is still working through us as you give. This past week, we partnered with two different lifers. That's what we call those of you who uh, call this church your home. One is preparing bags to be delivered to local nurses with personal hygiene items and snacks as, as well as masks. The other is working on PPE items for those on the front lines, grocery items and gift cards for those in need. This may be a difficult time, but when we work together, we can make a difference. So just know that when you give here at Real Life, you're helping us give as well. And on behalf of uh, Amber and Deanna, myself, the staff here at Real Life, I want to thank you for your generosity during this difficult time. Let's pray. God, thank you for all that you give to us, um, the, the overwhelming things. And, and sometimes in the busyness of our lives, we kind of overlook the blessings that you give. And yet in times like this, where it's a struggle and we're not sure where the next thing is going to come from, it's a little easier for us to see how you're working in our lives. So God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see that and then to respond to that as you are generous to us, that we would be generous to you by being generous to others. Thank you, God, for loving us and for giving us all good things. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you want to give today, you can do so on your mobile device or from your computer. Just go to reallifecc.us, click on the little orange icon in the bottom right-hand corner, and that'll take you through a giving flow. We'd appreciate it if you would sign in because then we know who you are. That'll help us uh, greatly at the end of the year when we send out those statements. And uh, so if you're a normal attender, nor used to giving here at Real Life, uh, if you're prompted to go through all of the stuff and enter all your information again you're probably not signed in so click up in the top right hand corner it'll say sign in if there's a little person there you're already good Uh, and make sure that you're signed in because then all of that stuff will be saved and we'll know who you are thank you for giving If you knew how your story was going to end, would it change how you live now? I want you to think about that. I'll bring it up again. But if you knew how your story would end, would it change how you live now? Let's take the coronavirus uh, as an example. At some point, um, months, years, maybe decades down the road, people are going to be asking questions like, uh, why didn't they do this? They should have done that. Or couldn't they see that the outcome was going to be whatever? But if you could see the end of your story at the beginning, 
would it change what you do in the middle? If those who brought, bought hand sanitizer and toilet paper uh, in order to have a huge profit when all of this first began knew that they were going to be fined or jailed or have to give all of that stuff away, would they have thought twice about trying to price gouge us in the beginning? If you knew that you were going to infect someone that you loved and that they were going to lose their life, would you be more careful? If you knew for certain that your child or grandchild was going to get this virus, be in a life or death situation, but then miraculously come through at the very last moment, would it change how you respond in that moment? I think those are interesting questions. Jesus' closest friend and one of his disciples, John, tells the story of a man named Lazarus. Now, this story happens a few weeks, maybe a month before the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And there are several similarities to our current situation. For one, the people around Jesus, those who loved him and those who hated him, had no idea what was happening. Some of those people thought that everything was just made up, that they were just stories, and some were consumed by those stories. Some were skeptical, and other people saw conspiracy around every corner. Some were in full-on panic mode, and some argued about what the truth really was. Others were just fighting to control the narrative from their particular bent. And after Jesus died, there was seclusion and confusion. We can relate to that. If you could see the future, would it change your focus? For Jesus, he wasn't just a part of the story. He didn't just know the outcome. He was in control of the story. And when you're in control of the story, it's much less scary. We're going to be in John chapter 11 today and look at the story of Lazarus. And so you can join us in the Bible app if you're at live.reallifecc.us. Click on Bible above the chat window. You can also click on notes and follow along there. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, you can jump over to reallifecc.us, scroll down to the My Message Notes link and click on that. You can follow along with all the scriptures and all the major points there as well. John chapter 11, verses 1 and 3. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now we can all relate to the beginning of this story. Some of you are living it right now. The chances that the names are the same are, are probably pretty slim. You probably don't even know anybody named Lazarus. But the situation is pretty common. Someone you love is sick. Now, I hope this isn't the case, but it's highly likely that someone you know is sick right now. And maybe it's not corona, but it may be just as deadly. Corona didn't cancel out all of the other things and illnesses that people are dying from, like the flu and from cancer and accidents. Every one of them is from somewhere, and every one of those people is loved by someone. And I would venture to say that each and every one of them would want whatever help they could get, even if it, meant, if it meant that they would get better. So imagine how you would feel when you hear the rest of the story. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Have you ever heard of such a thing? I mean, if somebody that you know and love is sick, you drop everything and get to the hospital as soon as you can. That's what you do when it's somebody that you love. But Jesus' two responses to this news seem completely out of place for the situation. First, he acknowledged that the illness uh, he acknowledged the illness, but he didn't acknowledge the outcome. And secondly, he showed his love by staying where he was, not leaving. Now, what happens next changes the relationship between Martha, Mary, and Jesus. Because by the time Jesus finally arrives in Bethany, Lazarus has been dead and buried in the family tomb for four days. 
Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus in plenty of time for him to arrive and save the day by healing their brother, something that they'd seen Jesus do maybe hundreds of times before, so that they, they knew Jesus had the power to heal their brother, and they sent word to him in plenty of time, so they knew he had the time to heal their brother. Imagine how they must have felt when he showed up after Lazarus was dead. As you would expect, Martha and Mary have rehearsed their first words to Jesus. They both say the exact same thing. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Now that statement is true. Jesus certainly could have saved Lazarus if he wanted. Jesus had the power to heal their brother. So he must not have loved them as much as they thought he did since he didn't do what they thought he should. And you know, you and I have the same questions for God today. God, if you have the power to stop coronavirus, the flu, mass murder, auto accidents, cancer, birth defects, and, and, and whatever else, and you don't, how do we reconcile the love you claim with the unloving consequences that we experience? That's a question we often have, right? How do we reconcile the love that we hear God has for us with the consequences of, of life that we experience? This sure doesn't feel like love. It doesn't sound like love. Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, but his action in this one instance didn't express the love in a way they could understand because they didn't know how the story was going to end. We have a very one-dimensional view of God's love. If God doesn't love us exactly the way we think that he should, we get angry and we claim, well, he must not be God because how could a loving God allow such terrible things to happen? We assume that because God doesn't act, he either can't or won't. And I don't know which one is worse. So let this sink in. Our ability to understand what God is doing doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's doing. Jesus didn't leave right away because he refused to be manipulated by the situation. Jesus was not going to be manipulated by his feelings for this family. He was not going to be manipulated by the, the 12 guys around him who were urging him to go back to Bethany. He was not even going to be manipulated by death. Jesus knew the storyline, and he was going to stick to it because he knew his father knew what he was doing. Let me say that this way. Jesus was going to stick to the storyline because he trusted his father. Imagine trying to solve a complex math equation with one number and no instructions. It's, it's impossible, right? You wouldn't even know where to begin. You'd just write a number up on the board and, and then that would be it. You, you couldn't go any further. That's what we do with single events in our lives. Life, death, joy, pain, triumph, and, and tragedy. The outcome of one event or, or several single events in our lives will never lead us to answer the questions that we seek about God. But God's not only got all the numbers, he knows the question, he has the answer sheet, and he shows his work. He knows how every single person on the planet and every situation in each of the billions of people, of, uh, billions of lives on this planet, how they're all going to fit together to tell an incredible story of his faithfulness. We may not be able to see it yet because we're still in the middle of the story, but God knows how it ends. What we think is God ignoring our suffering may have much greater meaning and importance to our lives than we can fathom now. And the story of, of Lazarus proves that Jesus is not, he's not removed from our troubles. He just understands that they're temporary. Think about that for just a moment. Jesus is not removed from our troubles as we often think he is when he doesn't respond the way that we think he should. He just recognizes, he understands that our troubles are temporary. 
That they're not going to last forever like we often think that they, that they will. Um, think of it this way, like a parent trying to help their child through a breakup. Well, the child thinks this is the end of the world. It's never going to get any better. How can I ever recover? But the parent understands that, that they're going to get over it, and it's going to be okay. just may take a little bit of time. When you know the point of the story, you can move through that story with purpose. Jesus knew the point of this story. And so he said to Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, well, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Martha was having the same problem that we as Christians often have. She believed that God could resurrect her brother at some mysterious point in the future called the last day. She just didn't believe that he would resurrect her brother in that moment. It's a fine line. It's the same line of, of thinking that is used in the theory of evolution. It's much easier to say that something could be done at some point way off in the future given enough time between now and then. I mean, anything could happen, right? But it's harder to stand in the moment and believe that something will happen now. Jesus didn't say, I will be the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, I was the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And, and that's a very important term because it's the same term that God used when he met Moses and talked to him in the burning bush. You remember that story? And, and, and Moses said, what do I tell the Israelites when I get down to Egypt? What do I say to them about who you are, who sent me. And, and God's response to Moses was this, tell them I am sent you. Later on in the book of Exodus, when God was giving Moses the Ten Commandments, he said, I am the Lord. But the words have deeper meaning. They literally mean I was, I will be, and I am now. And so Jesus was saying essentially what God said, I am the resurrection and the life. I will be the resurrection and the life. I was the re resurrection and the life. See, Jesus was trying to get his followers, those that were with him that day, to understand that he wasn't just a guy with the power to do these miracles. He was the power. Let me explain it this way. Jesus' power to heal, to teach, even to raise the dead, didn't come from a crystal hanging on around his neck that uh, channeled his energy. He didn't learn the technique in a monastery after years of being in silence, tapping into his chi. He didn't acquire this power from an accidental photon or gamma radiation leak. He didn't find the power through meditation. He didn't wield it as a tool like a hammer he'd learned to control. He didn't buy this power. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. It's who he is. That power is with him. It was with him. It will be with him. It is with him now. And because he is the resurrection and the life, he controls the story for all of us. Jesus says two things to Martha that are, I think are important for us to get. He said, first, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. Now, here, it's pretty obvious that Jesus is speaking about Lazarus. He was the only one who had believed in Jesus but was now dead. In fact, he's a few feet away in a tomb. And in a moment, Jesus is going to prove exactly what he's saying here to Martha. But we're going to get to that in a minute. So set that to the side. Because the second thing that Jesus says to Martha is that whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And that represents Martha and Mary and many of the people that were there that day. Now, death is a part of life, right? 
I mean, we all know that. Everyone dies. And so Jesus would have to be a, a lunatic to say that no one would die physically, that you will never die physically. And Jesus was not a lunatic, so there must be another way that we should understand what Jesus is saying. Remember, just because we don't understand what God is doing doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's doing. So let's look at uh, first at the second statement. If you live your life in faith that Jesus is who he claims to be, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and if that faith affects how you live, it influences what you say and what you do, where you go, then Jesus says you will never really die in the sense that you will never cease to be. Let me say it this way. When you're talking about a, a caterpillar and a butterfly, would you say that the caterpillar dies when it turns into a butterfly? I don't think we do. Our physical death is a change, absolutely. But it, it, it is a continuation of our story. It's not the conclusion of our story. It's a continuation of, of our life. It's, it's not the conclusion of that. Yes, life changes. It's different then than it is now, but it continues. Let me take an aside just for a moment because next week I'm going to kick off a brand new message series called To Be Continued. We're going to look at, at five interactions that Jesus has with other people, some individuals and some groups of people, after his resurrection. So we celebrate today Easter and the, the resurrection of Jesus. And so beginning next week, we're going to talk about these interactions that Jesus has after the resurrection. For those who live by believing, our physical death is the to-be-continued line at the end of part one of our story. It's not the conclusion. And it wasn't the conclusion for Lazarus' story either. Let's get back to John 11. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth was around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now remember what Jesus said about Lazarus. The one who, believe in, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. Now Lazarus was dead but he wasn't gone. And the very fact that Lazarus was able to come back to his body and then exit the tomb testifies to the truth of what Jesus claims, that those who believe live on even though their body dies. Jesus was able to call Lazarus back from the dead for two reasons. First, Lazarus' body was dead, but he wasn't. And secondly, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He has the power over our story. This is incredible news because it means that Jesus has power over those who live and over those who have died. Not even death has power over Jesus, which means that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But if you're going to experience the life Jesus offers. You've got to catch this one bit of truth from this story. In order to experience life after death and really live this life, you've got to believe in Jesus. We call it real life. And the way to experience real life is through a relationship with Jesus. Look, um, coming to church every Sunday, putting a little off money in the offering plate, serving a little bit, that is not how you uh, live your life in Christ. I mean, those are things that we do as believers, but faith is really about a relationship with a person, the person of Jesus. And, and that relationship, that vertical relationship with God through Jesus extends to our horizontal relationship with others. L let's look at the story and see how this plays out. In verses 45 and 46, we read this. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did. So they were there at the tomb that moment, right, when, when Jesus calls Lazarus from the tomb. They had seen what he did. They believed in him. Wouldn't you, right? I mean, if you see a dead guy who's been dead four days come out of a tomb, that would cause me to believe. But some of them went to the Pharisees and they told them what Jesus had done. 
Some of them didn't get it. Some of them missed the point. When those who were there that day saw Jesus raise a dead man back to life, they believed. They believed that he was indeed the resurrection and the life, that he had the power. But some refused to recognize that Jesus was the one in control of the story. And so this second group of people who went to the Pharisees and told them, they tried to manipulate the story by telling the religious leaders. And John then goes on to say that the plot to kill Jesus began because of what this group of people said to the religious leaders. But the religious leaders weren't the ones in control of the story either. And though they killed Jesus on a cross on Friday, by Sunday, Jesus once more proved his power over death. With Lazarus, the stone was rolled away to let him out. But with Jesus, the stone was rolled away to let us in, to let us see what had happened, that the tomb was empty, that Jesus was gone, that, that, that he disappeared from that moment, and that he would reappear again, that he had the power over death. It's exactly what I'm inviting you to do today. To step into the tomb of Jesus and to see for yourself that he isn't there. Or or, or maybe we could look at it this way. Just like Jesus called Lazarus back from the dead, Jesus is calling you to experience real life. But you've got to be willing to step out of the darkness of your sin You've got to hear the voice of Jesus and respond to that. You've got to shed the clothes of death and of your past. You've got to stop trying to write your own story and step into the story that Jesus has been writing for you from the beginning. And look, I don't want you to worry about the sketchy parts of your story, the the dark parts, the parts you've tried to keep hidden, the chapter headings that you'd rather people just skip over, like, Um, liar, thief, criminal, immoral, angry, suicidal, abusive, fearful, hateful. Don't worry about how your story with Jesus starts because the greatest stories have the worst starts. Do you know what one of the greatest things about this is? It's not that you can be called from death back to life. That's incredible. But I think one of the greatest parts about this is that you can know the end of your story. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe that he'll breathe life into your story, then you can know the end from the beginning. And knowing that there is life waiting for you and life for now changes how we live today. Jesus said this in John 10, 10, a thief is there to steal and kill, but I came, Jesus said, so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. That's actually the theme verse for our church. And we want everybody to experience this real and eternal life that is more and better life than you can dream of right now. And if you're ready to live that kind of life, if you're ready to live with purpose because you know the end of the story, I want you to figuratively step out of your tomb today, just like Lazarus did. I know that it's, it's bright and it's scary and you don't know what's going to happen and being vulnerable in that moment is something that we're not used to that we don't really want to do. But when you know who's in control of your story, then you understand that he'll give you the power that you need to conquer that story. If you're watching at live.reallifecc.us, you need to click the raise your hand button that's in the chat window, uh, right above, uh, uh, in the chat window. And then right above that chat window is an opportunity for you to to click on um, next steps or find some other information uh, that will help you on your journey. If you're watching on Facebook today, You can jump over to reallifecc.us. At the top nav bar, click on next steps. And then in the drop down window, click on I'm ready. There's some information there for you and a short form to fill out. We'd love to know what God is doing in your life, how he's changing things. and, and, And we'd love to help you take your next steps as God begins to change your story through Jesus. 
We want to help you take your next steps toward Jesus and take those steps into the light of his resurrection and life. Look, Jesus is alive. And he is the resurrection and the life. And he proved it when he called Lazarus out of the tomb. And he proved it again when his own stone was rolled away to prove that he was gone. And he can turn your worst start into the greatest story. And once you know the end of the story, it changes the whole story. Let's pray. God, I thank you for those who are watching right now. We're going to make a decision to follow you because they want to experience the real life that you have for them. God, I pray that, that you would fill them with the power of your spirit, that you would give them the strength they need to take those next steps. And, and God, as they, as they do that, that you would bring us alongside of them to help them. Father, wherever people are watching, um, here in Kansas and El Dorado or around the world, would your presence be with them through your spirit that you promised would come through this death and resurrection that you experienced. And today, God, would we all experience not just new life and the promise of life to come, but would we experience real life in this moment? Would we live it, God? Would we live our lives with purpose? Because we understand who's writing our story. And would you turn the worst parts of our lives into the greatest triumphs for your story? God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son. And thank you for the empty tomb. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. And you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies. If you're trying to fill the same old hole inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you've got pain, he's a pain. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. And there's a better life. You got pain. He's a pain taker. You feel lost. He's a way maker. Jay. 